0: Definitely look at you know the waste industry. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of other materials out there that we can turn around and reuse and solve these problems, that are both you know good for the planet and good for the economy, right? The key thing is finding you know a large problem where you can change it from a waste to a raw material.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. And today I'm super excited to have the robotic master Eric Law with us today. Eric, will you please fill us in? Who are you? What problem are you solving with your business?
0: Yeah, my name's
1: Eric Law. I'm CEO and co-founder of Urban Machine.
0: We're building robots for reclaiming the 37 million tons of dimensional lumber that's thrown away every year here in the United States. Wow. It's, it's a. That's
1: problem. a big problem it's to a solve. Big <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us about this. I mean, what what's driven you to the, to want to solve this problem?
0: Yeah. So a couple of years ago, uh, I was researching waste for a large contractor that I was working for, and we were looking at where concrete, steel, lumber, and glass, and all the products go. And what I learned is concrete and steel both have recycle paths, um, but wood does not. Okay. It was going to incinerators. It was going to landfills. But none of it was going back into buildings. Um, and what is the predominant structural building material, especially when it comes to housing, apartment building, single family, residences. Yes, it does. Wood structures, right? And so why are we? Any, anything below four stories or so, right? So we got, well, now they're going to 18 with mass. People. Wow. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's got a lot of options. And what I learned was the big issue was the fasteners, right? All these nails and, okay. and screws did such a good job. It was too expensive to pull them out. And so I reached out to a roboticist I'd done some other research with on some other projects. and I said, hey, you know, can we automate this? Um, And he's now my founder, Andrew Gillies and he's like, absolutely. And so he started building the first prototype Um, in his shop. He started building it's about the size of a desk Um, and he was able to prove that he could kick nails out of a two by four uh, with a web camera and this home built system that he built. Um, What? Yeah. And he had this thing running on his desk. We showed it to some investors. We went out and raised a round of capital in uh, November 21, and we were off and running. Crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Hired a couple engineers, proved out we could automate it in that first phase. Uh, Went and raised another round of capital in October of 22 uh, from some great investors on our team, and now we're creating the first product. So now what we're doing is we're iterating on the system to hit the unit economics can we wow. reclaim lumber at the same unit economics that those massive mills in the pacific northwest produce virgin lumber act
1: that's our goal you think so that's absolutely that's amazing i mean if you can pull this off that it solves a lot of problems you got it you got it <laughs> so
0: we're on
1: we are currently building our fifth iteration of
0: hardware um it's one of the things that people don't realize about robotics is you build an iteration you spend a lot of money on it you learn a ton yeah. And then you make a list of, here's how we're going to make it faster, better, more accurate, more reliable. And you have to go build a whole nother one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, got, we've <laughs> kind of learned that through the Elon Musk model, right? We've all watched him blow things up and uh, have to start over again from scratch. So yeah, yeah, yeah. this is amazing. Rockets is probably the most extreme case, right? I mean, that's the most extreme from <laughs> right. throw ways. Oh, well, we learned a lot. Go
0: start a new iteration. Um, we don't blow our, <laughs> Isn't that not go, go to the shelf, which is pretty cool. But, um, so yeah, we're in our fifth iteration. Um, our version four is currently out in the field doing field trials where we've got a full-time crew on it, feeding it wood 40 hours a
1: week, um, testing that wow. it and seeing how it's performing. Amazing. So, so you're not actually trying to salvage two by fours, but you're taking the wood, pulling all the extra crap out of it and then p- turning it into kind of microfiber type stuff or what, what are you what is your end product coming out of these machines? Yeah, so we're trying to keep the fiber intact.
0: So it starts two by fours on up to, you know, four by twelve, six six by 18s is kind of our range. Right. And really, wood strength is in the fiber, right? That fiber is incredibly strong tensile strength for being a natural material when you compare it to the other building blocks out there. Right. Um, and so our goal is to just get all the metal out of it because once it's metal free, then I can plane it, I can cut it just like virgin wood. I can sell it back into the virgin wood ecosystem. Wow. Um, and so we're working on projects with furniture manufacturers. We're working on projects with mass timber manufacturers to take essentially our test material now, and they're testing it in their workflows to see, okay, if I take and reclaim wood, how does it compare to the virgin that I've been processing? Crazy. And if That's you look, cool.
1: Yeah, and the sustainability
0: of it is phenomenal,
1: right? We're now, taking- the it- question, though, is how are you going to get so let's say that I'm doing demo on a project and we're tearing this building down. I mean, obviously the easiest thing for, the, for that, that tractor to do is just dump, scoop it into a dumpster <laughs> and off it goes. I mean, this isn't like an easy ask for people to say, hey, can, can you put all your wood here and all the, all the other stuff over here? You know, yep. How does that work?
0: Yeah. So today you don't get to really just smash up a house and go dump it at a landfill right? Today, right. To separate it out or they charge you a lot more money. So if you co-mingle everything in the bin, it becomes very expensive to dispose because then right. these facilities have to separate everything out. So They grind it up and then they put people in it. Literally people pulling chunks of wood and metal and plastics out of a conveyor belt to separate. Wow. It. And so what's happened is the cost to deconstruct a building is almost the same cost to demolish it because you are not all those waste fees, right? You, right. Right, right. Reclaiming all the materials, the metal all gets recycled, the concrete gets recycled, the wood can get recycled, and then all the plastics goes in the landfill, right? Because that's really the only thing we don't have a recycle solution for.
1: Right, right. So so you're literally, um, it, I mean, it almost sounds like a service first and then a product afterwards. That is that kind of the model?
0: Yeah, so we are in the reclaimed lumber industry right now um so we have to prove not just the technology that the hardware works but we got to prove the business right right? because nobody's done this before you know historically the demolition contractors and the waste folks they dealt with landfills and waste distributors and recycling companies they've never sold material into the wood industry right and so we have to create that link in the supply chain that says okay hey here's a raw material over here coming from the waste industry we cleaned it all up with our tech and then we sell it over here into the wood industry um, once we get that movement, of material, and that supply chain link created, then we can step back and be more of a pure play tech company, supplying the hardware and software to solve the problem.
1: Wow! Wow! Interesting. Very, very cool. That's a really cool problem to solve. So, so as you look at your your client avatar, I guess we could say, you know, mm-hmm. you're talking. I mean, you're you're talking about solving a bigger problem than just a client. Uh, but but as you're thinking of the clients. Are you thinking the contractors doing demo? Are you thinking the people buying the re- reclaimed wood? What, what is it that you look at as, okay, we got to really serve these people better than those people?
0: Yeah. So we have two groups, right? We've got the client on the source side,
1: right? Where we get right.
0: from who can buy and lease these machines, who can turn dirty lumber into clean lumber. And so that's right. probably the demolition contractors and then the waste facilities. Right. These are the folks that are currently processing all this contractor waste today. Right. And so uh, we're working with them to do pilot projects on the value of the material, but then we have an end customer that we're selling the material to. So that's wholesale lumber companies, that's lumber mills, lumber yards, uh, furniture manufacturers. Right. Anybody who can consume virgin wood products becomes a customer for us in terms gotcha. of purchasing reclaimed lumber.
1: Running a business, honestly, can leave a lot of founders and operators feeling lonely and isolated. If you have ever felt that way, trust me, I know what it feels like. And there is something you can do about it. You've heard a lot of our guests talk about the fact that being lonely and isolated is one of their biggest challenges in trying to run and scale their business. captainscouncil.com. Go to captainscouncil.com right now and see what we're doing to resolve this problem. We want you to be a strong operator who has solutions and has a way to get around the challenges you're currently facing. What most founders don't understand is that you're not alone. The challenges that you're facing, likely somebody else has already overcome and they can give you the feedback you need to overcome them. Who better than your peers, other founders, other operators who are joining with you in a small group setting, a global community setting, as well as that, our in-person events to guide you through these challenges that you're facing right now. Don't give up. Keep on pushing, but do it with some good advice from your peers. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com and let me know what you think about the offering. We can't wait to see you there. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome, awesome. So, so as you, um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of businesses are like this, and for those listening, you know. Pay really close attention here, because you know people like Eric are are a lot like you potentially. When you're serving two ends of the spectrum, you know you you've got two specific clients that you're targeting, and and sometimes it's hard to to balance your focus on which one do we want to solve the bigger problem for? Which one's going to make us more money? Which one is going to help us sustain our mission better? And and, and what do you look at as you evaluate where to put the focus? I mean, obviously you got to you got to produce the product first. And so you're out there kind of working with the demo guys. How do you feel like it's going to be received on the buy side? I mean, is this product going to be less expensive? Is it more expensive since you had to put more work into it? Like, how do you see this translating into into the consumer side?
0: Yeah. So the nice part today is there's a lot of sustainability initiatives. So there's clients yeah. pay a green premium, right? They'll pay sure. for our product having a much lower carbon footprint. And so we can take advantage of that to get the early product into the market while it's expensive. And then we can continue to drive the price down, right? Because as right. we have all the tech, the price is going to come down for us to process the material because the machines sure. are going to get faster, right? More is law. It's just going to happen. Um, and so as we do that, we have early adopter customers that come on board and they're like, hey, this is a beautiful product. The great thing about wood is it's probably the only recycled product that's higher quality than the virgin product. If you write trees that grew hundred years ago, they're clear. There's barely any knots in them, tight grains, really strong, clear material. That's what we get to process. The stuff that you get, at the lumberyard today is junk compared to what we're processing, right? Right. right. So we can actually bring a higher quality recycled product to market than what the Virgin guys can, uh, which is phenomenal, right? That's a huge
1: advantage on our side to be able to do that. Interesting. Interesting yeah I could see a lot of i could see a lot of areas of the country where those green initiatives are in place you know and and people really trying to get their their homes certified or their buildings certified to be some type of you know there's a lot of there's a lot of requirements that they have to go through to 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 qualify for those uh um i guess programs there's a lot of programs that help supplement your building costs when you're using green materials right Yep. You've got state, you've got federal, you can go for lead credits on the marketing
0: side, right? If you have right. a commercial building wants to say, hey, we're greener than the one next door, they go get lead certified things. Um, and then there's a lot of tax credits and incentives these days to help folks out with it, right? And try and change the economy because we've been so focused on this, you know, consumer one right. for model, which, you know, it doesn't work anymore. We're a little too big for that. There's just too All many right. on the planet.
1: I- I'm with you. I'm with you. Totally, I, I got a way better picture of what you do and how you help people right now. Now let's talk about the business because you know w- when a lot of people talk about building and growing a business and hiring and having a team and engineering and all this stuff, they think you're making a lot of money already, <laughs> <laughs> right? So so let's dissect your model because this is not the typical business model you've got a heavy flow of engineering, product testing, development. You know, you talked about two rounds of money raise already and yet you're talking also about releasing your first product coming up here in the, in the next few months. Yep. How does that work compared to the typical business? that's like, I got to make some money, then I'll raise some money and then I'll grow. You know what I mean? Tell us about the model.
0: Yeah, so in the hardware world, you really need the investor partners. You know, the capital costs, you know, if we built machine one and tried to take it to market, we'd all be losing none of our customers,
1: (laughs) the downtime
0: and the failures and stuff. And so in robotics, it's really a balancing act of I've got a salesperson and a marketing person. We're building brand. We're building pipeline. So when this machine hits the market, the audience is ready to go, right? We can't sit there and do all the engineering for two years and then say, okay, now let's go start sales and marketing. We for call sure. It a very delicate balancing act, right? Because you gotta be good with setting expectations on these long tail right. projects, getting people engaged that are like, hey, as soon as it's ready, I want one in my yard. We've got pilot projects coming up this year. Yeah. Um, and with hardware, you know, the last company I had was a SaaS platform. You know, a SaaS platform. Oh, cool. you, you can bootstrap that, which is what we did. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. that's no problem. You just don't have this capital cost that you have with hardware. You can take a product right. form real quick with SaaS. Um, right. So this one, it's you've really got to have a large team, right? Not just the employees, but the investors backing you and supporting you, because we're going to go for another round of financing in Q1, Q2 next year, um, right? Like, right. Like, probably until 25, 26. So we'll wow. be four, or five years old before we start to turn green. <laughs> right, um, right. That's a phenomenal story, and you know, obviously, the investors <laughs> have to trust us and know what we're doing. Um, right, about the people. You know, the people we hire, everybody's got to be phenomenal and excel at their job and just hit the ground running. Um, because at 13 people, we don't have a whole lot of management time. Sure, sure, sure. A lot sure. of folks that know what they're doing to support the team, um, all working together in the same boat, uh, which is cool. It's what I love about startups, right? No large corporation can reproduce what they do. They all advertise right. it. Oh, yeah, we're startup thing. And you can't do it as a large company. You can only do this. Totally. Um, but it's, you know, it's that roadmap, it's that story and that path to success. You know, next year, we're going to try and build 12
1: systems and go deploy them in six different metropolitan areas and start the volume. I love it. What a a fun, scary time. I mean, honestly, like I, I, (laughs) I, for me, I've never done a project like this. And so it, it kind of freaks me out just thinking about it. And, and you coming from a SaaS background. Yeah, obviously, I mean, you, you're generating customer and client acquisition before you're even done with your product, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it's a very different model. You can fix the bug overnight, right? If the customer is unhappy, you write the code that night, test it the next morning, totally. and they're happy the next day. Totally. You can do things. In robotics, you just can't do that. <laughs> Eric, this is fascinating. What, what a cool story. So, so obviously, um, you know, I mean, you, you're five models in or so. And as you're working on this six and you said 12 that you hope to deploy next year in six different geographic regions, like what are some of the big challenges you've had to face thus far that maybe you weren't anticipating? I mean, this is not the normal business that you, you were running before. What are some surprises that you hit in this model versus a SaaS model?
0: Probably the biggest surprise is the level of support. Everybody wants one. Everybody's like, this totally solves a problem. We have this. How do we get? Yeah. Um, we have, you know, we targeted six markets. Right now we've got eight or nine of them competing. Wow. Uh, to get machines here in North America. Wow. And they're like, no, we want one of these in our metropolitan area. And we've got sponsors and they're bringing all the players together, right? Who's the demo contractor, the waste folks in their metro? Wow. Who's the wood manufacturers in their metro? And so that's huge for us as a startup to have sponsors on board doing that are like, no, we got to get one of these here in our area. How do we get this in here? How are we all successful?
1: That's every, that's every for... business owner's dream right there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Selling software and competing in the IT space is, right. is brutal.
1: <laughs> right. A lot more cutthroat. You don't have as many people like cheering you on. Hey, hey come on, bring you here first. We beg you. We'll, we'll pay for you to bring it here first. That's awesome. Exactly. Yep.
0: So that's cool. And right now we're the only ones doing it. Wow. You know, our, our competitor is a million-dollar grinder that turns it into bark chips.
1: Hey, we need bark too.
0: <laughs> yes, we got lot of park chips. <laughs> the playgrounds need park chips. Don't worry, about that there's plenty of wood around there. My, my wife
1: makes <laughs> me do that every spring. So yes, I get the point here. But uh, yeah, yep. no, the the fact that you're doing taking on such a huge, huge uh, mission like this. I mean, you know, I understand the business proposition. Why is it so important for you to solve this?
0: Um, two things, you know, one, we don't have room in our landfills and we don't have room in the air, obviously, for all the CO2 that gets released burning it. Sure. Right. We've got to look to it. The other one is we don't have enough raw material. You know, we have a housing crisis really globally and with wood being the predominant building material, there's not enough trees growing in our forests. Um, obviously, the forest industry is not going to share this with you. They say, oh, it's infinite, but that's not true, right? To, to manage our forests healthy in a sustainable manner, you got to let the trees keep growing before you cut them down. Sure. And if you look at that 37 million tons, that's almost half of what we log from our softwood forests every year in the United States. Wow. That's how much gets thrown away, which is not sustainable economically uh, as well as environmentally. And so it's a huge opportunity to do something different. And the other big benefit is we can keep the material local. Right. So if you take like the Southeast, take LA for example, right? There's no trees down there and they're not doing any log harvesting. No, not a lot of
1: logging down there.
0: Yeah, not a lot of logging, right? So it's all truck and train. Right. A couple thousand miles out of the Northwest. Yeah. Well, now we can take that reclaimed lumber, you have a local source of raw material you can create local jobs and local industry around it and put it back in local buildings. Very cool. So you
1: have a lot of trucking and a lot of inefficiencies in our current supply chain. Very cool. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I like it. I think this is a, it's a really fascinating thing you're doing here. And, um, you know, I, I wish you all the success in the world. Now, in terms of awesome. inspiration, I mean, it, you, you you had a you know an exit before. You've been inspired. You know how to run a business. You know how to run this thing. Is there someone who inspired you to build what you're doing now or is there a peer group or something that, that kind of pushed you along the way here? Uh, just a little bit of craziness.
0: Um, and, and then my wife, you know, awesome. she thinks I'm nuts. She's like, Hey, I keep the day job that pays the bills. You can go do these crazy things that, that are successful. What a sweetheart. Um, you know, obviously years down the road, but <laughs> you get the long-term high risk stuff.
1: Right. Um, That's right. so awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome. You know, your wife, my wife, all these blessed wives, bless their hearts. I mean, for dealing with people like us, doing what we do, throwing everything on the line, it's uh, it's really crazy of us most of the time. <laughs> yeah, Yep,
0: it is. Um, yeah, that, and then obviously the team we've built, the employees, the co-founders, the investors, the whole team that we've put around this
1: one is is awesome. Love it, love it. Well, Eric. I love what you're doing. Uh, I'll put links in the bio down below of everything that you, uh, to connect and see the progress of what you're doing. And if you've got pages or YouTube channels or whatever you're doing to build awareness, I would love to share this out there. And uh, for those of you listening, like honestly, this is a this is a really fun interview because you're hearing someone who has been there in the SAS, someone who has been there in, in now a completely different space, building something completely different than he's ever done before. You can do this and you can find demand in areas that you can feel passionate about. Eric, I, I love the, I love what you've done. Any parting thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience who are who are out there trying to build and grow their models.
0: Definitely look at you know the waste industry. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of other materials out there that we can turn around and reuse and solve these problems Interesting. that are both, you know, good for the planet and good for the economy. Right. the key thing is finding you know a large problem where you can change it from a waste to a raw material right right and that's like huge economic advantages when you're putting together business models i love it um and so hopefully we can get more people going after that space going after building materials going after the recycling industry because it's when you start to look at the numbers of what we generate every year it's massive i love which it chucks about right when you want to solve a problem you got to find big ones
1: yeah yeah hey the bigger the problem, the bigger the reward. Usually.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, yep.
1: Eric, I appreciate what you're doing, and and while I do think landfills make the best golf courses, I understand the problem <laughs> you're trying to solve. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna let that go for now. But uh, <laughs> but I love I love what you're doing. I love the passion. I love what you, the the problem you're solving. So thank you for coming on today. We hope we can drive some some interest into the problem you're solving here. And for those of you listening. Don't be afraid to chase after a big problem to solve. Thanks, Eric, so much for being here. Awesome, thank you very much, Todd, for having me. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope it brought some value to you and the way you're trying to build and grow your business. Building and growing is not an easy thing to do. What we are trying to do as a community is build a community around our founders that supports other founders. This is the first level of our community and that is free content in the form of these interviews. We want you to know that you're not the only person out there trying to build and scale in your particular industry or vertical. Even if you are, there are people in parallel universes who are building and growing, who you can learn lessons from, and hopefully find the key things that you need to do to get your business growing to the next level. It's not easy to do alone. That's why we're here to support you. This community around the podcast and in our other community called the Captain's Council, we're able to provide a lot of value to people like you. Growing a business is lonely. Knowing what to do after you launch is hard to figure out sometimes. Who better to ask than your peers? That's right, other CEOs and founders in our community called the Captain's Council. captainscouncil.com is where you can come and be part of our community, join in and learn about ways you can build and grow your business, the tools you need, the people you need to have in your corner, how to hire better, how to to clean out old products, how to deal with a lot of the issues that only you are tasked to solve. Sometimes there are problems you don't even know you need to solve, but once you solve them, growth starts to happen faster and faster. We welcome you to our community here on the podcast and hope you'll check out captainscouncil.com. And we cannot wait to catch up with you on the next episode. Thanks for supporting us. We hope to continue to support you in your journey.